Hamas want, wanted what they always want. They want to eliminate Israel. They want to destroy Israel. But they know they can't do that in, uh, by military force. I think their success on the 17th, on, a, on the 7th of October, was much greater than they thought it would be in their wildest dreams. But nevertheless, they they know they're unable to uh, make a really serious uh, military impact on Israel. And what they always aim to do in their attacks is to force Israel to retaliate to defend its people. Uh, knowing that by doing so, uh, despite all of the measures the IDF take, uh, some of the most effective measures in the world in protecting the lives of innocent civilians, they know that innocent civilians are going to die, and they work in a way that will guarantee that more of their own civilians are going to die. And so that's their objective, to, to get the IDF to move in, to kill innocent civilians, and as a result of that, to have Israel delegitimized, vilified, attacked around the world, isolated mm -hmm. uh, and undermined. And that's what um, that works every time. It works an absolute treat every time for them. UN, human rights organizations, some governments, media condemning Israel um, uh, very, very comprehensively. The goal of Hamas to kill its own civilians, that's, that sounds awful. I think it's the only army in the history of the world that I'm aware of that has deliberately set out to get its enemies to kill its own civilian population. Most armies exist to protect their civilian populations. And of course, Hamas isn't really an army, it's a terrorist gang. Mm -hmm. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you look at it as an army, then they are unique in that respect. They, they don't care about their civilians. They, they, they want their enemy to kill their civilians. And despite Israel's methods, it's almost impossible. To, it's not almost impossible, it is impossible possible to avoid doing that. So right now, the, the Israeli army is involved in what most armies do not like to be involved in. That's urban warfare. And it's a very difficult, uh, as most difficult as possible, because it's within a belligerent population, with uh, honeycombed with tunnels and explosives. Uh, how do you think the Israeli army is faring in this battle? I think the Israeli army has done uh, extremely well so far. And obviously, the, the fight is not over yet. There's at least um, two, maybe three weeks longer before the intense fighting might be over. Of course, you can never predict anything like that in war. But so far, I think they've they've taken a lot more ground. They've killed a lot more Hamas terrorists than perhaps was expected in the time frame. And uh, very importantly as well, they've, uh, I think, lost fewer IDF soldiers than their own commanders even expected them to. So obviously, there are you know, there are faults, there are problems, there are better ways of doing things, no doubt, that the IDF would have learned. Um, but in, a, in overall terms, I think they've, uh, they've been extremely impressive in their operations. And yet Israel's already under fire for violations of international law, war crimes. Is this just a knee-jerk reaction around the world? Or, or you know the IDF. I mean, is the IDF committing war crimes? No, absolutely it's not. Um, but this is the propaganda campaign that's been going on for so many years against Israel, which is largely fueled by Hamas, but started back in the 1960s and continues uh, continued to gain pace over the subsequent decades. And whatever Israel does, however Israel does it, Israel is committing war crimes in this uh, propaganda, in this narrative. But, but the reality is they're doing the opposite of that. They're being extremely careful, extremely cautious in how they deal with enemy targets that uh, in which civilians might potentially die and you know just one i think one figure that people might want to be aware of one one kind of uh, statistic is is the the 
civilian versus combatant death ratio, which mm. is quite a useful measure in of how military forces operate in this sort of circumstance. And um, the United Nations gives a figure for of nine civilians killed for every one combatant as the average death ratio in conflict since the Second World, Second World War. Mm. Now, of course, that does include countries like Syria, Iraq, um, Iran and uh, Russia and some African countries that don't care about civilians. And so it's not a, that's not a great measure, but more relevant measures, I think, are in um, in Iraq. The U.S. forces are estimated to have killed three civilians for every combatant killed. And in Afghanistan, between three and five civilians for every combatant killed. The IDF have estimated in this conflict um, so far, they may have killed um two to one uh, two two civilians for every combatant um which sounds awful and it is awful mm. but it's not as bad as um the americans the british other allies in afghanistan and iraq who also took great care to try and minimize the death of innocent civilians um and, and in previous conflicts involving gaza the idf have achieved a ratio of between 0.6 to one and three uh, and 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 about 2.5 to one. So um, consistently, they've 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 worked and achieved a, a lower death ratio than than most other countries would be able to achieve. Now, you as a former military man must think that this is putting the level quite high for other armies if they get involved in this kind of warfare. How does that compare? I mean, yeah, and it's not just me. I was over here in Israel. I'm in Israel now. I was here with a delegation of former chiefs of staff about 10, 15 of them from armies around the world who came here to look at the way the IDF operates. And they concluded unanimously that their own armies would not be able to achieve the same bar that has been set by Israel. And we're talking about US, UK, France, Germany, Australia, Canada, India, and, and several other countries, mm. all of whom concluded that uh, they would not be able to achieve this in, in their own armies. Let's talk a little bit about Hamas and its war crimes. I mean, it seems that the, from the GoPro cameras that uh, we saw that they broadcast, that they, it was just sheer pleasure they had in massacring Jews. Is this a result of this sort of long-term indoctrination? Yeah, I watched, um, I watched the 45-minute uh, film that the IDF put together, made, of, made up of head cam and, uh, and phone footage largely of, of, of the terrorists, as well as uh, some of the first responders and security cameras etc. And one thing that struck me above everything, I mean, obviously the horror of what I saw, which I wouldn't wish anyone to see that didn't have to, apart from that, the sheer joy and pleasure on the faces of the terrorists that were, that were butchering people, that were hacking people's heads off, burning them alive, raping them, uh, torturing them, shooting them, and dragging them in some cases into captivity. The, sh the pure pleasure they got from doing that was absolutely chilling. And it is, it is the result of uh, indoctrination in most cases since they were almost since they were born to hate Israel and to hate Israelis and to hate Jews and we see you know we can see that in in that footage alone we can see the product of that horrific indoctrination which I should say in many cases is funded by the US by the UK by European countries uh, in some of the educational programs that have been taking place in Gaza as well as in Judea and Samaria um, not, not not deliberately funding them, uh, but not being careful enough to, to vet what it is they are funding. And so that's only a part of it. 
but it is it is i think uh, to a large extent the cause of some of the horrors that we saw let me ask you about some of the goals of the war. The Israel says it's the elimination of uh, Hamas as a military force, uh, besides other goals it has. But uh, Sinwar, Yechia Sinwar is the head of Hamas, and he's been made the ultimate target. Uh, are targeted assassinations illegal? No, they're not, and, and and they're certainly not in this circumstance. I mean, Hamas, you know, Sinwar is the leader of Hamas in Gaza. He was behind the massacre on the 7th of October. He's got to be either killed or captured, and um, preferably killed, in my in my view, because he is a, a man who once before was captured, and when he was released as part of a previous hostage exchange, he uh, went on to plan this atrocity. So uh, it, it's a it's a it's not just not illegal; it's an obligation on the part of Israel to get rid of this person. Um, and and the same goes for other uh, terrorist leaders in Gaza and their leadership in places like Qatar and Egypt and uh, and, and and indeed in Lebanon and Syria and 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 Judea and Samaria. So yeah, it's, it's this is war and um, killing leaders in war is is far from illegal. It's highly desirable, partly because it does help. I mean, leaders can be replaced, but I think. Killing leaders undermines an organization, both in terms of its capabilities, but also in terms of the moral effect it has. And uh, if anything, it's going to, you know, it's going to maybe pile the pressure on Hamas uh, that they're losing and maybe compel them together with other measures to give up the will to fight. Let me ask you finally, uh, what, what's the reasonably achievable here? Is destroying Hamas the only option? Is, what else can... Israel do well. Um, destroying Hamas is probably the the only thing that's going to succeed. One other option is is to um, is that Hamas surrenders, lays down its weapons, and uh, hands over the hostages. Now they're not they're very unlikely to do that. Um, certainly not until they've been very very severely degraded, even more than they have now. Um, but that's something the world doesn't talk about. The world constantly wants to pressure Israel to uh, to ease up on its war, even to go for a permanent ceasefire. But no one is pressurizing Hamas. I don't know how far you can pressurize Hamas, but right. no one's even talking about that. And, and that by far would be the preferable option because it would end the violence immediately. Well, I mean, that's a, the the asymmetric warfare that we find ourselves in these days. No one's going to pressure the terrorist organizations. But uh, finally, uh, right. do you think the IDF is going to stay in Gaza? I don't think the IDF has any choice. I mean, Joe Biden said, uh, and other American leaders have said they don't want that to happen. But what is the option? The option that when Hamas is, is eliminated, assuming it is, and I expect it to be, mm -hmm. that's not the end of the story. We've got, as we've discussed earlier, we've got a very, very radically indoctrinated population, the majority of whom support Hamas, although there are stories now beginning to emerge of, of some of the population of Gaza turning on Hamas for what they've done. But but nevertheless, there will be a successor to Hamas. It will arise in some form. And the only way to stop that from, from taking hold and to, to recreating the Hamas threat is for the idea to maintain security in, in Gaza, as they do in Judea and Samaria. Um, and uh, whether that means a permanent IDF presence throughout Gaza, whether it means the creation of some kind of buffer zone inside Gaza's borders with the IDF ability to move in and out at will. Mm -hmm. uh, that's obviously a detail for the generals to work out. But, but yeah, I, I think I don't see the IDF leaving Gaza in the foreseeable future.